Ask him anything. Our auto expert, Nick Miles, has an answer. Direct message your questions at our auto expert on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our auto expert, Nick Miles. A locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. It has a throttle. We'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I am your host, Nick Miles, with Automatic Injured Andy. Oh, you can still clap, though. I'm a 10-speed I'm automatic. Are you? Yeah, not not one of them 7-speeders. You, uh, you're injured, though. Yeah. Am my, I facing assault charges? Yeah, Nick, you battered, batteried me. Battered you? Yeah. Assault and battered you? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm too assaulted. Are you? I need... <laughs> First of all, public apology... I am sorry for hurting you. <laughs> you didn't mean it. Maybe I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume that you didn't mean it. Um, so it's very, I have to tell you the story in its full breadth because it's, it, it's a little bit chuckly. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But it's also sad and it's funny. And it's Andy, and this is a bit of a disclaimer here. Automatic Andy has had injuries in his past. Yeah, pre-existing conditions. Yeah, as the insurance company like to list. <laughs> he has pre-existing conditions, health-wise. Yeah. There's some mental-wise, but there's health there's, there's health-wise. And he doesn't have two brake feet either, so he can't drive a manual. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. because manuals have two brakes. They do. Yeah. By the way, there's a sub-sub-side story to this. <laughs> I mentioned this to a bunch of high-level guys from Motor Trend and Kelly Blue Book at dinner the other night yeah. about you to asking why manuals had two brakes. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, they do. And the, some of the new manuals have the dual clutch, uh, two manuals. And That's too much. So, so someone has said so they have four pedals. <laughs> <laughs> That's my people. I guarantee it's my cousin or something. <laughs> Which was even funnier. <laughs> anyway, that was a sub 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 story. Back to the but the sub story. Andy has preconditioning pre pre existing conditions. Yeah. So, you know, he's had he has a couple injuries. We learned from twenty years ago doing the morning shows together, um, on radio that he has one side that one the limbs on one side of your body are shorter than the other. Am I correct? Yeah, it's weird. How much shorter are they? Like uh almost a half an inch. Yeah, half an inch. So his arm and his leg on one side are half an inch shorter than the other. So weird. Is it? It's. I feel like if you spun me on the left, it would just be like a perpetual motion. I would never <laughs> stop because I would just keep going. It's one of those optical illusions like the stairs that never end. Yeah, it would be. It'd be weird. <laughs> You'd spin forever. Yeah. And so we already know that he's a little delicate. He's 300 and something pounds of delicateness. 20, 24 324 pounds of delicateness. Congratulations on getting down about 40 pounds. Yeah, thanks, Pick. Um, so he's 324 pounds of delicateness. Um, I should have taken that into account when I did to you what I did to you. <laughs> I get it, though. And before I did this to you, what went through my mind was even funnier. Even funnier than that. Because my buddy and business partner, Mike Cadell told me when he did this with his son in the car, in the exact same vehicle that I did it to you, mm. he didn't realize what would happen. And he went to his son, TJ, watch this. And he gave himself whiplash. Yeah. He's a young buck. So, so 
what it is, and we'll get to the car in a second, but when you put your foot on the accelerator, this car is so unbelievable that it throws you back in the seat. And he said when he did it to himself, he didn't expect what happened would actually happen. And he hurt himself. And I was thinking, I wonder if, if Automatic Andy will feel this when I do this. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the car on, on the way to the radio station today. And I'm in the BMW iX M60. So most people are familiar with the BMW iX. It's their all-electric SUV, the first all-electric SUV. But the M60 is the famous uh, motorsports version, the M60. So it is the super M car version of this. It's where electric meets motorsports, the iX M60. And you've got to imagine this car does zero to 60 in the three second range, but you don't expect an electric car because it's all instant talkie, but you don't expect it to have such a kick. No. We were doing 17 miles an hour when I put my foot on the accelerator in sport mode. And I was like, you must have realized something was going to happen because I came uh, out of the side road really slow, didn't I? Yeah, and you started pressing buttons, and I saw sport, and I was like, oh, yeah, here it is. Here we go. You were like, I'm getting ready. So you must have sort of positioned yourself a little bit. I was starting to get ready because I knew we were going to go into the future. Right. And so then I was like, yeah, watch this. And I jammed on the accelerator, <laughs> and we were like at 82 miles an hour. Must have been, you know, on a private road. We were 82 miles an hour in just seconds. Yeah. And all I heard was a scream from the passenger seat. <laughs> it sucked. It, su it was worth it, but it sucked. And what I expected was a giggle and a smile, but it was like, ah, my back. <laughs> well, wh what had happened was my body stayed in position, but my back went into the future. <laughs> so you were sort of morphing in yeah. between two time zones. I was trying to, to intergalactical travel, and I got, I got hung up in the middle. It was totally worth it, though. Apparently not. I mean, you were it, crying for about twenty minutes. It, I was crying because it hurt. It feels. It feels like my back isn't. My I have a Charlie horse in my back. The pain. Oh. The pain's over. Pain's. Pain's. Uh, you know, get you can get over that. But maybe you need more potassium, calcium, <sighs> cardio. magnesium, cardio. You yeah, need more. You need second heart. <laughs> you need a second heart. Yeah, I need some more. I need some more cardio. So, you were just in pain. I wanted to call my mom. <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. You <laughs> lost her this year. I know. I want to say, Mom, you know what Nick did? And then she would have been like, yeah, he should have done it harder. <laughs> oh, wow. My mom loved that, you. There's, there's a whole yeah. There's a whole thing there. Yeah, she she wouldn't have been mad if you did it. Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just sorry. No, it's okay. I, I battered you. It was totally worth it, though. Apparently it, not. It like... was super fast. That's impressive because you got to think, like, we were we were going sure like ten like you said fifteen seventeen miles an hour but we went from I mean that was like a standstill comparatively and it went so fast it got into the eighties like in a couple seconds man yeah it was insane yeah it's like anybody that thinks electric cars are boring and soulless shut up I've never ever had my back rocked like that in a petrol car ever a petrol. Yeah. Well, look at you. It's because my nephew's staying with us from England, isn't it? Nick, I'm I'm flanked by British people. Are you? I, I, I feel like I'm a quarter British by proxy, bruv. Ba you're, you're, you're surrounded by bangers. And, uh, yeah, bangers and mash. <laughs>
Uh, I had to go to Detroit this week, so you were left with my family, and it seemed like you didn't miss me at all. <laughs> we did. We talked about you a lot. Did you? I was trying to get embarrassing stories out of, out of uh, them. They didn't give you any, did they? No, they didn't have so much. And your they sister have plenty, but they're, we're English. You don't uh, do anything. What do they say? Mum's the word? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a British one? Yeah, mum's the word. They're never going to divulge any British secrets. I just, I like listening to y'all talk. Why? Because it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like fancy talking. Really? Like, you know, when you're, when you, when you're hiking, I call that four by four walking. Four by four walking? Yeah. And you guys like four by four talk. They're very different to me, aren't they? Yeah. Very Very different. different. Mm -hmm. My sister's family are very outdoorsy. Yes. Yeah, they, my nephews got up at five o'clock yesterday morning and, and basically went, to Mount Hood. If you're not familiar with Mount Hood, it's the tallest peak in uh, in Oregon, and they scaled it. It was just a day for them, and they wanted to do that before they left. I would need a week of recovery. And I don't just... think you need a week probably just to get to where the snow line is. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't even think I could get up there. I'd be hanging out at the base, and it would take me forever. Hanging to recoup- at the base, at the base, at the base. No trouble. Yeah, it would, but they they just do it casually on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. No, I mean, good for them, but oof. And uh, yeah, we wanted we just want to scale Mount. This is the boys. Well, and you know they're very super athletic. They've done something almost every morning significant. Yeah, they went for a seven mile walk because they were bored one morning. <laughs> yeah, because that's I, what I do. My I I looked at my steps this and we're. We're about, uh, what, three quarters of the way through the year. I haven't even got seven miles for the whole year. That's <laughs> how so sad I am. Well, you know, I do have a right foot. Why why, why walk when you, you can have a throttle? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, I'd get on. I was like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to pull, you know, ride one of my motorcycle while you're here? And they're like, no. No, I want to go. want to hike. Yeah, I want to get on top of Mount Hood and put a British flag. I'm like, shut up. All I wanted to do when I went to England was like go to the set of Harry Potter and sit on Hagrid's motorcycle and sit inside the Morris Minor and get on the night bus. And all they wanted to do was, hey, do you want to go and climb Ben Nevis? Bunch of tryhards. Yeah. They just want to show how fat and unhealthy I am, basically. Yeah, well. Do you want a salad? I'm a salad hater. Why would I want to <laughs> eat a salad? <laughs> Do you guys not have any su- vegan sausages? Because that's where I'm at. Yeah, I want... If the salad tastes like bacon... They I open my it. fridge in the morning and go, yeah, all right. I know. I've, you got. I've seen your one nephew. Like You can feel the, the disappointment. Yeah, he likes disgust. to walk around the house with his shirt off and it shows his ripping muscles. I'm like, all right, I get yeah. it. Because he's in a bunch of movies. I feel like he's I a, should even... the, the He's course. a movie star. He is a movie star. He's going to teach me how to take a fall. Is he? Yeah, I tried to do that it. this morning, but it didn't work out so well. Yeah, I fell this morning, and I was yeah. like, "Where were you on that?" Your one, ego man? definitely <laughs> fell this morning. <laughs> it did. I've been crying. <laughs> Thank all you, BMW, for the uh, iX uh, M60. Uh, just uh, send the insurance paper so I can see how how uh, automatic Andy's medical is. Yeah, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you my chart notes, BMW. If you think he's an automotive intellectual, you should try his spicy peanut butter chicken. Our auto expert, Nick Miles.
Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. Is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Our auto expert, uh, my pal, my friend, uh, Mike Cadell, the other half of our auto expert. Uh, today, he's at volleyball tournaments. That's probably what all the noise is in the background. Uh, Mike, um, it's your daughter's game. We should probably mention that so everybody knows what the excitement is. So we spent the week in uh, Detroit. After three years, there was uh, coming back to the Detroit show. And then just uh, days before we got to do the show, President Biden decided to go mess it all up for us and uh, and dis- decided to make a visit. So we all had to sort of come out of the hall and wait for him to go through the hall. Uh, I've never had that experience, by the way. I don't know if you have. Well, yeah, I mean, working for a U.S. congressman, you uh, are surrounded uh, many times by Secret Service and uh, pomp and circumstance around the procession, which is uh, the president or senior officials. But you know what? It's all in the name of keeping uh, keeping our president protected. So uh, I understand it. But that said, I think there were four or five press conferences that were canceled. And if you were the one putting money on the line for it, I think it would have been a little bit frustrating. But um, the show was it felt good to be in Detroit. It felt good to see some familiar faces. It felt good to be on the floor. It was awesome looking at some of the new vehicles that are that are going to be coming out, some of the future vehicles. I'm thinking about Lincoln in their booth with their future. It's about 100. It's going to be, you know, kind of a, a glimpse at the future, what Lincoln's bringing to market. You know, I think Ford Motor Company with its news with the, the Mustang and the uh, F-250 this week. I think you've got just some really cool pieces of news coming out from automakers right now. Um, you and I were both at Fest, and that was, I mean, it was, it was, we were outside, right? Normally in, in the snow, and yeah. it was great to be there. And I think what we did with the auto show this year is, like, I think it breathed a little bit of life back into Detroit around auto shows. I tell you, and you, you, you felt the same way as I did, Mike. I really, really miss auto shows. After such a break, it just felt so good to go back and and i hope that everybody gets back to the regular schedule of auto shows i think so i think there's a, a need for it i think there's an angst for uh the industry uh, the flip side to it is it's probably more cost effective for automakers to host a singular event in a you know location you and i were able to go to a secret undisclosed location just outside the city for uh, a backgrounder on the new F-250, which we can't talk uh, about until their embargo lifts. But, I mean, that's, if, if you get one-on-one attention with the automaker, you get one-on-one attention with auto journalists, you get specificity as it relates to your product. But auto shows are great because we can tell a big, bigger story. We can talk about what electric means for the market. We can talk about, you know, a variety of different vehicles in a three-minute TV segment. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about. And you're, what it's all about right now I just gotta let you guys hear. Let me just poke my head in so you can hear this. You guys hear that right now? That is <laughs> oh that yes, is major volleyball partying going on. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I want to share. I, I do want to share something with you guys, unrelated to the auto show. Uh, I returned home yesterday was my wife's birthday. Um, every Tuesday we had a new vehicle delivered, and I gotta be honest, I've never driven in my entire 25 years a vehicle that moved me as much as the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, type B. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> when I fired that engine up, I, I just was in shock. Just complete utter shock. It, it's 
I would say that this is an incredible piece of engineering from Cadillac. They sold every single one. And V is something that I hope they find a way to continue. That One thing about that vehicle, it is the last gas vehicle that Cadillac will ever launch. And that made me kind of sad. It made me sad. $151,000, 6.2 liter uh, supercharged V8 under the hood. I mean, it sounds like a Corvette. It moves like a Corvette. I was uh, I took my wife downtown Nashville for lunch yesterday for her birthday, and we were pulling out of this car park at Fifth and Broad, which is uh, Fifth and Broadway, which is right there in the, the mix of everything you know Nashville is. And these four young guys, probably in their mid twenties, as I pulled out, they went, "Dude, that's the Cadillac Escalade with the Corvette motor." And, you know, I hate to see that go because that's that's what the auto industry is about. I hope we can achieve that with electric vehicles. Or somebody's like, "Wow, that silence is amazing," but boy, it looks cool. I think that also leans into that Ford Mustang as well. The uh, the seventh generation Mustang, Ford making the commitment that they will keep the gas engine in the seventh generation Mustang, and they will keep a V8 in that vehicle because they saying that the customers just want a V8, and that's the idea that they'll do every kind of Mustang V8 electric. They'll still keep doing it. Ford's doing it right. They are dividing their gas division in their electric division and that's a smart strategy because you can have your cake and eat it too you can have those that believe in gas stick with gas you can have those that want electric move and shift to it under the, the blue oval brand whereas general motors is putting all of their eggs into that electric basket and i think that's going to be problematic you get pragmatic about it the infrastructure is going to be critical we've talked about that over and over and over again um, but even if you remove that, you just have to go, do people want to drive them? Yeah. I, I think it's the verdict is still out there. And you and I know that these are 50, they are 50 United States of America. Um, every state moves at a different pace. And not all of us are like California. We're not all ready to go the same way as California. And everybody needs to do that at their own pace. Correct. 100% well, well put. That's 100% well put. 50 United States and it's going to be interesting to see what the auto industry does. You know, we, you, we I'm on every Saturday with you guys. And it seems like the, week, the, the, the auto industry takes one step forward, one step forward, one step forward every time I'm on with you. And I'm hoping that auto shows come back like Detroit. It was fun to be there. It was great to see you. Great to see all of our friends. Great to see new products. And let's just hope that L.A. is, is just as good or even better. And you know what I'm really, really looking forward to, Mike, is the opportunity for both of us to actually test drive that Mustang because not only is it going to be the most powerful regular GT version of the Mustang, but they'll have the dark horse version of the Mustang and they'll have the EcoBoost. And the, uh, the amount of cool things that they're going to have in that car, um, we're going to probably end up making at least three or four videos out of the launch of that brand new car. I'm really looking forward to doing that this fall. America's fastest growing automotive radio show. Our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is our auto expert radio show. Our auto expert on the Facebook, on the Twitters, 
And on Instagram, you can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where two million Americans together automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy Boy. Detroit Auto Show back after a three-year hiatus. So 2019 was the last time that our auto expert was uh, at the Detroit Auto Show. And then it got, uh, let's say, suspended for the pandemic. And so 2019, we took a break in 2021. 20, 22 is when the show returned. And this year, it was a much reduced show but there were some press conferences. There were some stuff, uh, you know, going on. The biggest, I would say, announcement was the seventh generation Mustang. And they had quite a celebration. So it started off with a stampede. And that stampede started off in Tacoma, Washington, where Mustang drivers drove all the way across the United States from Tacoma, Washington to Detroit, to Flat Rock, Michigan, where they make the Mustang at the Flat Rock uh, plant. I think it's Flat Rock, Michigan, is where they make the Mustang. And uh, everybody drove um, from um, Tacoma, which was a surprise for me. I didn't know that drive was taking place. And then they all, a whole bunch of them parked all the way up and down outside the um, the Hart uh, Arena, where everything sort of took place, the launch of the Mustang. And... Hmm. Um, and it was a night of celebration. There was food trucks, there was music, there was DJs, there was what? guys from from Formula Drift. Um, it was really a look back into the Mustang and the Mustang history and the Mustang launch. So Ted Ryan is going to join us later to talk about Mustang history. We won't get into it too much, but I need to tell you a little bit about Mustang history. Oh. And it's an, it's an amazing history. It is. There's a few things you need to know. It is and has been for the last seven years the best-selling sports coupe in the world. The world? The la- in the world for the last seven years. So basically the best-selling sports car in the world for the last seven years. No big deal. No big deal. They have made and sold 10 million of them. <gasps> yeah, that's what? a lot. 10 million. I mean, how long would it get take you to count to 10 million? A long oh my time. A long time. Yeah, isn't that like half the people on the earth? Uh, no, and we have 7 billion. Oh, you know, tomato, tomato. Math, math. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, it, there, there's a lot. Yeah. It is sold, I believe, um, on six con- six uh, different continents, Oof. Uh, 70 countries, something like that. It uh, is the longest single made nameplate that Ford has ever had for mm. 58 years. I think it's one of the longest single name made nameplates ever. 58 years without a break. Ooh. 58 years they have made that car without a single break. I get annoyed when I do something for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, it is probably the most iconic sports car in the world. Uh, the Mustang. Room. So it's completely full of history. And Ted will go through some of that history. The new Mustang, pretty mouth-dropping. So they have a number of different Mustangs that are fairly popular in the two-door sports car version. Mm-hmm. Uh, this new one comes with some things that are nice, but some things that are pretty mouth-dropping. 
Let yeah. me tell you three things that are mouth dropping. Number one, mm. you can get into the car and you will love this because of the size of your giant head. <laughs> you do not have to take off a helmet to get in the car. Whoa. So you could wear a race car helmet, but it doesn't have to be taken off to get into the car. So most drivers have to put their helmet on and off to get into a regular sports car. Yeah. You don't have to do that with a Mustang. Big plus. They made the door so a helmeted head can get in. So automatic Andy's giant head can get into the car. That's amazing. That means I can just get in it without yeah. doing a yoga move. You can get after it and get in it. Oh, finally. Get this. You can rev the engine from the key fob. Wait, from the little, the the key the, the, the thing fob, that opens it? The key fob, yeah. You can rev it. You can rev it from the key fob. Like vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. From the key fob. And get this, this is even cooler. So you know how a lot of the modern cars have that electric parking brake button? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, People are going to that because it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot easier, it takes up less expense than the old cable because the old parking brakes where you push the button in and you pull the, pull, pull the, the handbrake up, mm -hmm. it tightens the cable which pulls the brakes onto the wheels. Okay. All right? So that's the old style. The new one, you press a button, it sends an electronic signal which puts the brakes on onto the wheels. Right? Mm. That's the simple way of explaining it, but that's kind of what happens. Sure. So they... It's a lot cheaper to do that than have this cable that goes all the way through the car, and it's a lot uh, faster and those type of things. They knew they had to have an electronic break-in with the button, but they know that one thing that you can do with the old-style uh, parking brake is drift a car. So you can drive it onto like a big piece of blacktop, and you can pull that brake up and have the car slide sideways. Skirt. So how do you combine that parking button with the old-style brake that you pull up and drift a vehicle hmm. so von getten jr who is part of formula drift which is the fastest growing sport in america helped ford design a new e-brake that looks like and works like the old-fashioned e-brake where you push the button and pull up the parking brake mm -hmm. but is actually electronic Mm. and works the same way. So it's like the button, but it looks and works like the old-fashioned one. Oh, man. So as you're driving and you want to slide into a parking space at Safeway, now <laughs> you just pull the e-brake and slide right into the parking space. It's really cool. And when you're you know there and you want to turn off the brake because it's already engaged, you just push that down. Instead of, yeah. you know, you just push it down to the floor and then the brake comes off and you drive away. It's, it's amazing. Those are just three things. In with a helmet, rev it from the key fob, and it has what looks and works exactly the same as an old, e, you know, parking brake, e-brake, but it's electronic. I need, I need, I need, and I need. Um, then let's talk about several other things that are amazing. It's the most powerful Mustang ever. They have a new Coyote engine in the GT, yeah. which is going to have over 480 horsepower. <gasps> um, the, they have the EcoBoost, okay. which is the 2.3 liter, where you can have great fuel economy 
But at the same time, that's going to be the most powerful EcoBoost they've ever had. So the smaller engine, the EcoBoost and the GT look similar. So you don't get a boiled down version with the EcoBoost. Okay. You still get the same looks on the car. The biggest difference is the grills are slightly different. And then the GT has the hood vents mm -hmm. in the hood. But the, you don't, when you buy the EcoBoost, it doesn't look like a version of the Mustang. Right. It has these really amazing hips where it steps in over the wheel like it's square like it steps in oh, okay so that looks amazing the lights look really really great the the roof slope looks great they did an amazing muscular job the headlights have an amazing light up sequence that you know mustangs always had the lights where they went they sequentially lit the brake lights mm -hmm. they went one two three one two three mm -hmm. you know they have they still have that um, in the new Mustang, it it looks absolutely flawless. Yeah, it looks pretty tough. It looks like it has a body kit on it, but it then doesn't. we haven't even got inside. What? Yeah, inside, two large screens, just like the Mercedes have. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, together. So yeah. it looks like this one big piece of screen that goes across. It's two screens, but it wants one piece of glass that right. goes across in the middle. Uh, those screens are completely programmable. So you can change the colors. You can change. It's over-the-air updates. Um, Fancy. Yeah, it's all those kind of things. So, and then new seat colors, new materials, new interiors. Looks like the next step above carbon fiber. You can have new stripes on the outside. They've introduced new colors. They've introduced new uh, seatbelt colors. They've introduced new um packages new brake caliper colors uh, they've introduced blue as a brake caliper color um they've just new wheels just a whole bunch of new stuff so now you can build these mustangs with new wheels new brakes new stripes mm. um, new seat colors new street stripes new interior colors in red is an interior color that you have now oh, in the mustang boy. a new sort of darker blood royal red um yeah they have completely gone to town much nicer seats amazing sound systems yeah um so you can have a concert in your mustang have to and that doesn't even include the engine sound oh boy let me just tell you shut up mustang mm. they did a good job mm. and when they came out they rolled this car out they rolled out three of them they rolled out the convertible which will come in both the gt and the eco eco boost check they so they'll have four the gt the gt hardtop and convertible the eco boost hardtop and convertible and there was a space left on the stage and people start screaming, bring out the fourth car. And they were like, what fourth car? Good night. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And everyone's screaming, bring out the fourth car. And they go, we're done. Good night. Yeah. Have a safe trip home. See ya. And everyone just starts screaming, bring out the fourth car. They went, all right, here it is. Welcome the new Mustang Dark Horse. What? 500 horsepower special edition Oh boy, if you ever wanted something, it's the Dark Horse. Find us, follow us, direct message your questions or comments. At Our Auto Expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. Over 20,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert podcast and many more streamers. Join the happy listeners by iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Our Auto Expert, you know. 
hours of endless fun away you. I'm uh, Nick Miles, and this is Automatic Andy. Uh, Automatic Andy, how are you? Nick, Nick, good. How's your back? Nick, my my back, it, it doesn't hurt. It's just spasming. Is I it? have like a Charlie horse in my back. Um, How do you get rid of Charlie horses? Uh, should we smack it, drink water? What I do you th- need to do? I think during the commercial break, you should stand on my back and jump. No. Dude, I've done enough damage, damage to you, and nobody needs any of that. I think I just need to quit. Quit hurting. I think you need just to quit. Yeah, I do need to quit. I'll be fine. Um, I, in my whole life, first of all, let me publicly thank Jim Morrison, who is the vice president of Jeep worldwide and the leader of Jeep in North America. He's the head of Jeep. Um, he is the nicest man ever. Ever. Uh, he told me about a new Jeep that was coming at Detroit Auto Show. Okay. It is the Jeep 4xE Willys and the Wrangler 4xE Willys. Willys. Willys is the name that was given to the Jeep that transported American soldiers to and from the front line of the First World War. Interesting. And this is bore so much historic, um, real historic memories for America. Um, This is the Jeep that saved many lives. You've probably seen pictures in the First World War, sorry, the Second World War of soldiers on the hood of this vehicle on stretchers being brought back from the front line and it it saved many lives. Um, So it has important historic remembrances. And now I wanted a plug-in hybrid version of this vehicle. And that was important to me. And so um, the Jeep 4xE Willys was going to be announced at the Detroit show. And Jim said, would you like the first one off the line? What? And I said, yes, I would. Numero uno? The very first one off the line. Dang. And so that is an honor that was unbelievable for me. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, huge honor. So not only am I getting the first one off the line... But um, I watched the car get rolled out in Detroit. And to me, that is just unbelievably magical. You better not touch it. Um, touch it? I'm going to touch every part of it. <laughs> I just I feel like you should put like a layer of saran wrap around it. Um, so I've sort of ordered my vehicle, in a sense. I've gone over with him what I want. Okay. And... Um, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to work out how I can go to Detroit, make an amazing video of this vehicle. Um, and then, you know, we have to sell one of our vehicles, which is sitting at home mm-hmm. next week. And that's why it's really important that we get and sell that because we're going to use the money from that to buy the willies. We got to get the willies. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking that was rolled out at the show at the Jeep press conference. Um that and you know, so there's a lot of emotional stuff was at that show to see the vehicle that um, I'm going to own is amazing. That is cool. Um, yeah, just to see it rolled out on the stage, that was quite emotional. That's that's not really that can't be something that happens all the time. I mean, it, sure, special circumstances, but how many people do you know? Like, oh hey, that zero 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 one car that one's mine. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it was very, very emotional to see that vehicle rolled out for the first time. What a cool dude. Yeah, it, it was very cool. Um, and it's a plug-in hybrid. So it does 21 miles on electricity alone. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, it'll be arriving in dealerships soon. Uh, it does have a starting price of uh, around $55,000, which is pretty high. Sold. But yeah, but it's uh, it also has a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine inside it, the electric motor, an eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, the battery there is 17 kilowatts, um, and it sits under the back seat, um, which probably means that uh, there will be no two-door version of the vehicle unless the engineers do something amazing. I put a picture of it up on the screen for you to have a look at. Nick, so where is? Oh, it says Willie's on it. Yeah, yeah, you need that. The funny thing is. Which is a little comical, is that of course Willie's means something completely different in English. Yeah, it in, does. in English, England, English. Um, it has a 375 horsepower. Um, the engine puts out 375 horsepower, 70 pounds feet of torque. So you know it's going to have some kick in it. Uh, it does uh, 49 miles per gallon. 49 miles MPGE, per gallon. Yes, MPG equivalent. Um, of both the combination of the electric and the gas, which I find quite exciting. Um, yeah, so it, plug-in hybrid, I mean, what more can I say? Can it joins we, the rest of the lineup. It's really exciting. Nick, Nick, can we can we drive around with the doors not on? Yeah, as long as you help me take them off and put them on. No, yeah. None of this, I'll help you take them off, but I'm not helping you put them back on when it gets cold and, you know, chilly. Yeah, I'll be busy conveniently. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's just exciting you have to get when you take the doors off though you have to buy the accessory mirrors for the car because once you take the doors off the mirrors are gone oh that's right well that's yeah. worth it yeah um it has the blue tow hooks uh it has a bunch of other stuff which is really cool oh, can we take the windshield out too yeah well the windshield doesn't come out it folds flat that will that that too yeah it looks nice, doesn't it? No, it's a I was going to get white, car. though. But the gray looks kind of nice, doesn't it? I do like the gray. The, the white would look tough, though. And then I was, was, I was going to do is put a light bar in it. Ooh. You know, and, and lights and have everything flash so we could use it for an animal rescue rig. Yeah. Can we illuminate the headlights where they say Jeep? How do you illuminate <laughs> the headlights, Andy? You'll probably need new headlights in it. Come on. It looks really cool. That does look cool. That looks nice. Put new light bars and stuff in I it. I like the blue hooks. Blue toe hooks? And I like the, the rear end of it. It's got a nice bum. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I I think I'm just in love more than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I like the um, inside too. The inside looks really, really wonderful with a big screen. And, of course, it has Uconnect in it and uh, the whole works. Um, I can't stop looking at it. Is there something wrong with me? Well... Yes, but not because you're <laughs> not because you're looking at the Jeep and you like it. Uh, and they also had the 30th anniversary uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, which famously in 1992 crashed through the glass at the Cobo Center in, <coughs> in Detroit. Yeah, they drove it through the glass doors on purpose. Oh, the glass window. Yeah, they drove it through the do the, the the door um, into Cobo Hall. Did you see it? Uh, 1992. I was not in the industry. I came in the industry in 2002. Remember with that mini. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that was highly interesting. Uh, so there was a lot going on there. There was uh, the president uh, went to see Jeep, and then also the president went to see the new uh, Cadillac um, Lyric, which is an electric car, 
and he sat in there and he sat in the Corvette and said he wanted the Z06, by the way. Oh, he, has, he should not be behind that. Why? I mean, he's very much into Z06. Uh, hey, as long as he knows how to, to drop it in, in second high gear and floor it, then good. Yeah. He also went to see Ford Mustang and uh, the new stuff at Ford as well. Right. And coincidentally, Ted Ryan, who I spent a lot of time with, is going to be on the show today. And Ted's going to talk about some of the history of Mustang. And you will not believe some of the letters he showed me in the archives. He's putting the fancy back in pants. Our auto expert, Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated. That's our auto expert from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Well, we talked a little bit about the uh, brand new Mustang being announced in Detroit. But we didn't talk much about the history. We've saved the history for the man that's in charge of the archives of uh, Ford. He is the archives and heritage brand manager for the Ford Motor Company, Ted Ryan. We got to spend some quality time together uh, just before I got my walk around of the brand new Mustang. So, Ted, uh, hopefully you have had a rest from uh, hordes of journalists pouring their way through some of your most treasured documents in the archives. I had a rest and I had a wonderful nine holes of golf with my son yesterday afternoon. So (laughs) I took an afternoon off and and, and just did a little R&R, but... Uh, how can you not love talking Mustang? It was great to see you this this week as well. Yeah, it really was. And uh, obviously over the last several years, we've had uh, quite a radio friendship and then to spend some quality time uh, together, even though, of course, a lot of my attention was diverted to the brand new Mustang that we got to uh, look at and to sit in and to experience. The history is probably the most important. I would say one-seventh, of course, being the seventh generation is about what is today. But uh, the rest, the sixth other portions are about the the generations that came before. And definitely some of those archival letters and those archival pieces that show the very beginnings and the ideas in the birth of Mustang, in the ideas of what the company had from the very beginning when Mustang was conceived. So let's walk us through, Ted, how it all began, what the ideas were, and some of the documentation that you have in your archives that show the beginnings of Mustang and what Ford were thinking when they actually started the project. I will. And just to set it up for your listeners, uh, Nick was part of, he got the, the super secret briefings before the auto show. And those briefings actually began in the archives where we had a beautiful 65 Mustang and we had the 10 millionth Mustang. And then we had some different displays showing the origins or role of pop culture, et cetera. But the origins of the Mustang come from good marketing research as opposed to the bad marketing research that happened on just a slight <laughs> Uh, a few years before, they brought us the Edsel. The Edsel, we asked the wrong questions and we built the wrong car. Well, with the Mustang, we asked the right questions and we built the right car. We knew that uh, a baby boomer generation was about to come of age and they had their own music, they had their own fashion, they had their own style. They wanted something small and sporty, uh, and but inexpensive at the same time because while they had nice taste, they, they didn't have a whole lot of disposable income. So one of the documents that we had was the blue letter signed by Lee Iacocca, 
launching the Mustang program on the state of December 5th, 1962. And we all got a chuckle, too, because they only estimated 75,000 units would be sold that first year. Right. So obviously, we blew through that. We did 22,000 the first day. So, uh, but, but you know, when we pull out the original things and you, you get to see them and see what the thinking was, it shows you what the DNA of the Mustang is. And, and that was the goal in showing the journalists all these, these great materials. I think one of the things that was really great for me is what you did. So the, the, the Etzel really taught you what not to do. That's the first thing. And I, I, when I talk to my boss um, at the network, I always say to her, you know, pain is a really, really important thing for us because pain teaches us where we shouldn't go. And she always smiles at me and she says, you always have the best analogies. And I think the pain of the Etzel taught Ford what not to do. And so they did the opposite. They did the things they know they should be doing. And that really, really helped with designing Mustang. And so I think the Etzel was really important in teaching Ford what to do as versus what not to do. And, and that was as important as the Mustang itself was. Um, and, and I, it, I agree. The, right. the other thing, too, is that out of the out of the Edsel, we got the Falcon. Yes. The Falcon was nice, and we sold a boatload of Falcons, but yeah. the, the Mustang project was actually called the Special Falcon Project, was its code name. Right. So uh, we, knew, we knew how to go one step further. And I think the other thing that the, the Mustang taught Ford and other car companies is the right questions breed huge profits, jobs, happy customers and happy history and so i think now ford always asks the right questions as we can see with things like mark e the seventh generation mustang and all the other products that are super successful bronco those type of things and other car companies who have super successful products they're uh, that are born out of asking customers the right questions and you always know when a car company asks the wrong questions because the product isn't right and so they those things have taught everybody a lot of things I, I agree. That one of the other documents we had out there that was interesting, and, and the journalists looking like all got a chuckle out, is that we didn't know what we were going to call the stupid thing. There's uh, just a mere six months before the, the launch of the, the product, it was either going to be the Cougar, the Mustang, or the Thunderbird 2. Think of how different history would have been if we had called that the Thunderbird 2, Ooh, trying yeah. to, to leverage the success we had already had with the Thunderbird. Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, so take us through some of the other documents were there because almost every single one was, you know, you didn't have endless space and endless time. So you were very careful in what you picked. We, the next section was talking about Mustang's racing heritage. And I've become uh, good friends with Henry Mann, who's Alan Mann's son. Uh, Henry, Henry actually restores uh, Mustangs for Alan Mann racing uh, in England and uh, if, if I saw his footage from Goodwood uh, this morning, and, and he had a couple of his cars out there, but he specializes in Mustangs. But his father, Alan Mann, uh, prepped four Mustangs that were sent to Europe in uh, the summer of 1964, so just a few short months after the launch, and they were used in the arduous Tour de France uh, automobile race that was 10 days of mountain climb, sprints, and then endurance racing. And the Mustangs took first and second place. And we had some of his prep notes showing how he prepared those Mustangs. Uh, and Mustangs had this great racing heritage. And Nick, now, now that the secret's out there, we're going back to Lamar. 
you know, that was why we were emphasizing racing so much in that yeah. space. So it makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah, no, it does. And of course, racing, as we found out, obviously, at the launch was a huge part of what was to come the next night. It, it was. And that, that secret announcement from Bill Ford that, that uh, uh, the, uh, the Mustang was going to, or Ford was going to return to the 24-hour uh, mall and the Mustang was going to be our flagship. So I, it's going to be an exciting time the next couple of years. Right. So the other thing we, we wanted to do in this exhibit is we wanted to focus on pop culture because a car becomes an icon every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, a couple of our competitors have them. We've, we've got a couple with the, a few of the Continentals and a few of the Broncos, but the Mustang was used in 10,000 movies and music videos, and we had pictures of Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever with the Mach 1 and uh, my favorite was the collected works of Jim Morrison, the lead singer from The Doors, yeah. who only ever owned one car, and it was a, a Shelby GT that he called the Blue Lady. Uh, and we just we wanted to try to show how important the Mustang has been, just in pop culture in general. I didn't know that, and I you know I know a lot about Mustang history. Um, I knew a good part of what you showed yesterday, but I had no idea about Jim Morrison's ownership of just one car. Um, and that being the blue lady, that to me was all news. So that was very impressive. Well, that's why I've got the best job in the world. Right. I get to, can you, can you imagine Nick, they paid me to sit there and do all this research on Mustang. So I, for, for six months, I've been spending an hour or so a day, trying to find Mustang things that will, will just make people think differently about the car. Yes, everybody knows it. Everybody knows Bullet, and yet we had our obligatory Bullet thing there. But I wanted to focus as much on on uh, Goldfinger, you know, the 1964 yeah. James Bond film, because that was the first time Mustang ever appeared in film. Wow. The James Bond producers heard there were some in Europe, and they got Alan Mann Racing to prep the car. Uh, the woman who was cast in the role to drive it didn't know how to drive a stick, so it was actually an Alan Mann employee wearing a wig that was filmed for a while, and then they, <laughs> they filmed her next to the car. Wow. So it's those little stories like that that, that, that that uncover another layer of the Mustang and allow us to change the storytelling narrative a little bit. Um, there, Yeah, there was some amazing displays there. I think one of the things about Mustang that really interests me, uh, too, and that we never even got to talk about was the paint colors, because over the years, the paint has been something that has changed quite radically, hasn't it? It has. Uh, just to uh, uh, shine a little light on what people don't see is that the Mustang uh, design team have been coming into the archives for the past two years. And on one of their visits, we actually pulled out paint samples, uh, every single paint sample uh, that has ever been on a Mustang. And so some of them were paint sheets that show all the colors. Some of them, we actually had the little metal chips that have been painted. And we just had this big, long table so that the designers could see the entire palette of Mustangs. Not to go back and specifically recreate a color, but just to get a feel for what the colors, you know, what would come use on the car we did the same thing with interiors too where we had all the different fabrics out and we had uh, uh all the different uh, uh interior trim sets and radios and and how uh, mustangs have been configured uh once again the the goal of the new one was to make it more like a cockpit to feel like the driver is in control of everything easily and we tried to show how that had been done in the past as well the thrill of the throttle 
Our auto expert, Nick Miles. Ooh, I like the disco music. Our auto expert, I'm Nick Miles, and you're listening to our uh, podcast and radio show. Uh, this is Our Auto Expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their daily dose of car talk. Not a daily dose of anything else, Automatic Andy. Get your mind out of there. Uh, I was dancing. Or, you were? Yeah. That's what that was. I thought there was still a back injury from me uh, doing your thing. My back, it does hurt. It does? It just feels like a tr- uh, like a truck horse. A, ch- a truck horse? A truck, like Charlie. Oh, a Charlie horse. A chuck horse. Mm-hmm. Chuck it. Uh, you know, you are beautiful. Oh. Uh-huh. And so was the Q... X sixty, uh, sorry, the Q fifty. We're gonna do today, aren't we? Yeah, you're you're thinking about another car. I was the Q fifty from Infinity. Uh, Q is also the name of um, James Bond's um, guy, his uh, tech guy. Q. Oh, no, that's M. No Q, no M, no Q. Q is also Q fifty from Infinity. Let's just go there. L M N O P. Q. Mm-hmm. No Q. Q in Infinity stands for cool. Right. I'm not the best speller, but I think that begins with a C. Key, it's urban. Cool. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Nick, this car was beautiful. Um. Yes, and it has some major, major improvements over a lot of the competition. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a big segment. Is that what you call it? Yeah. It's a big segment, but uh, Infinity did a good job of carving its own lane. Yeah. Because there's Ooh, look a, at you with the automotive talk. I'm telling you, I'm reading stuff. There's a there's a lot of big names in it. So Nick, when let me start with if you take the luxurious nature of the Infinity brand, and then you add 2023 to it. Yeah. And then divide it by a standard twin turbo V6 power motor. Yeah. You get this beautiful 2023 Infinity Q50 sensory all-wheel drive. Well, I was going to do like a clap, but sensory probably doesn't need a clap. Oh, sen- like high senses. No, sensory. sensory will be like. Oh, like ASMR? Yeah. Oh, we can do that. Okay. Um, Nick, the competition for this car is a big one. It's going against the BMW 3 Series, yeah. the Mercedes C-Class, oh, yeah. which is one of my favorites. Yeah. The Genesis G70. Yeah, that's favorite for me. And the Kia Stinger. The Kia's yeah. got to get right up in there. Yeah. So Kia like to get right up in there. It's it's a it's quite a lot in the segment. Um, it's it's a lot of competition, but Infinity did good. So why does it stand out, Nick? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the big things for me, the reason it stood out is the twin turbo V6 that mm-hmm. no one else in the segment has. Oh, wow. That's it. Mm-hmm. Period. Done. Mm-hmm. They have it. Um, so what's new for the 2023? Yeah, they kept it. Uh, the the updates a little bit light. There are some. We got the saddle brown interior option, which is now uh, available on the entry level, mm-hmm. which is nice. So mm-hmm. they went and said, "Hey, if you can only afford this one, let me bless you with a little bit of the leather. You know, mm-hmm. now you, you can have a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like that. Saddle brown. That's what mm-hmm. that's what the salesman says when right. he asks for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Nick, it's got. <laughs> It's got an illuminated Infinity Girl emblem that's now available on the mid-range, the sensory one that we got, and mm-hmm. that looks so cool. Yeah, it's the it little, does. it's the little things. We were just talking about this. We need to take night photographs. It, that would have looked tough at yeah. night yeah. with the Infinity logo yeah. light, lighted up. Yeah. Um. So, like all the other 2023 Infinity models sold in the U.S., it'll now come. This is a big one, Nick. Now, are you sitting? 
So at all the all the in the Q fifties, all the excuse me, all the Infinity models sold in two thousand twenty three come with a three year complimentary maintenance plan and no with no Nick, this is the underlying italics. No mileage based restrictions. That means the whole three years you can get you can get free you can get oil checks you can get your tires balanced and there isn't there isn't that caveat of you can have all this cool stuff up to like fifty thousand miles you get it for the whole three years oh. that's huge that's hmm. so nice thanks Infinity uh, we got three different trims for the 2023 Q50 mm-hmm. we got the Lux the Sensory and the Red Sport 400 do you know about the Red Sport 400 yes. That thing is insane. Yes. Each grade is available with Infinity's uh, intelligent all-wheel drive, so you're just getting that. The Q50 Lux uh, joins the Sensory. Um, excuse me. Uh, no, they were uh, the, talking about the Saddle Brown, but I wrote that twice because you need to know about that. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> the Lux comes in at 43675 The one we had was 49 Rounded down to 49 And the Red Sport... Is about fifty-seven thousand dollars, but it's a four hundred horsepower version of the twin turbo V six. Uh, I have more reasons to buy this car now, included on all the Infinity models. Uh, the year twenty twenty-three, um, you get the premium care enhances, and all the uh, the different ownership packages and good things like the oil changes, the tire rotations, inspections, um, and all that stuff. So let's look into the meat and potatoes of the car, the engine. All the Q50s get a twin-turbo 3-liter V6, which is huge, a 7-speed automatic transmission, and either rear or all-wheel drive. You'll have to talk about uh, what's available in your market to see if you can get the the AWD. Um, The engine comes in two potencies. You either get the 300-horsepower one or the Red Sport, which is 400 horsepower. Uh, The drive has, this is cool, has an optional drive-by wire. Did you just say horsepower? Horsepower. Uh, Nick, this part was cool. They have an optional drive-by-wire steering setup called Direct Adaptive Steering. Yeah, it's pretty Um, good. It's a a really cool feature, and you could feel the difference in the cornering. You could go a few miles an hour more. Yes, I can tell you I've done it, and I like it. The Q50's got a little bit better than normal uh, front seat leg room. Mm-hmm. Uh, this car is perfect for long drive where you comfort is like super important. Yep. 13 cubic feet in the trunk, which is, that's okay. You can That's enough for snacks and like some blankets. <laughs> uh, the infotainment thing though really kind of threw me for a loop on who, how cool it was. It's got a dual screen system. Yeah. Uh, so that way you can, it's more modular, so you can have something running up top and at the bottom. I haven't seen that that anywhere else. Yeah. They may have it, but I haven't seen it. sometimes does that. Oh, they do? Yeah. Well, Infinity did it better. Yeah. So, Nick, am I giving this the stamp? Yeah. Are you? I would say yes. Oh, It's a big segment. There's a lot of competition, but if you were listening to three-year package, the the stain all the stuff that they said you know what let's just get rid of some trims and make a lot of this cool stuff standard okay go ahead infinity i'm buying one you know what i have to say to that Hmm. (laughs) ask him anything our auto expert nick miles has an answer direct message your questions at our auto expert on twitter instagram and facebook our auto expert nick miles 
This is our Auto Expert radio show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Anton Warman joining us. He is an international investor and expert on autonomous cars and the automotive business as well as what goes on especially with the electric vehicles in Europe. You can read the majority of his stuff at Street and Seeking Alpha. So Anton, it's been a few weeks since we've had the opportunity to talk and there has definitely been a whole lot of stuff going on especially with uh, Elon Musk and uh, the whole Twitter scenario. We did work out that if Elon had to withdraw the maximum amount of money at a cash machine every day, which is uh, usually $1,000 to pay the uh, $44 billion back, it would take him, I think we worked it out, at uh, 140,000 years or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so he should start now. Hurry um, up. How, how yeah, well, Nick, for <laughs> Fortunately, he's not going to be using a cash machine to do this. But one thing is, um, not for sure, but I think it is a very high probability that he is going to have to cough up that uh, approximate $44 billion because the trial date of October 17 is drawing closer and closer. The um, trial is expected to take about a week. And uh, the judge, the uh, chancellor in the Delaware Court of Chancery, is going to be writing an opinion probably within weeks, not months, thereafter rendering the verdict in this trial. And if I had to guess right now, and if nothing changes between now and the the time of the court uh, date, I think uh, he is going to be in the losing side. So let's talk about if he is on the losing side, then what does he do? I mean, let's, let's talk about Twitter itself and let's talk about the business. So he has to fork over $44 billion. Where does that leave him? Well, I think he's basically going to have to sell another handful of billion dollars worth of stock in Tesla, which is where the majority of his liquid net worth resides. So that's going to happen, number one. And then, of course, he'll be the proud owner of Twitter very shortly thereafter. So that's what's going to happen. And if you've noticed, Nick, back in March and well into April, there was all this talk in and around Washington, D.C. and everywhere else. Oh, my God, what would happen if and when Elon Musk took over Twitter? Uh, all sides of the political spectrum had their various views on this, positive, negative, confusion, every, anything and everything in between. All of that speculation essentially went out the door starting in about May when Elon started questioning whether he should actually be completing the transaction. So since May or so, and especially since early July, which is when these lawsuits were being filed, uh, the parlor game has been whether he will actually be closing this transaction or not. And almost none of the talk, Nick, has been about what will actually happen after he becomes the proud owner of this asset. So maybe at that point, that parlor game will then resume uh, rapidly. So, I mean, where does that leave Tesla? If he sells all those shares, what do you think will happen to the stock price of Tesla? Well, here's the thing, in and of itself, the fact that he will sell those shares certainly a will have a negative impact on the stock price, all other things equal. But at the end of the day, it will not be uh, a do or die thing for either him or the company or anything else. But rather, to see the significance of what's going on here, Nick, you have to look at why was it that all of a sudden, right around the first week of May, Elon 
suddenly decided to uh, get, you know, essentially got cold feet about wanting to consummate this transaction. And the reality is, was it, is that the, it, that was the beginning of a change in the international business climate. And uh, you're seeing now that we have an enormous drawdown in consumer sentiment all over. And you saw this just a couple of days ago when <clears throat> Federal Express, FedEx, reported earnings and they uh, announced that going forward for the next several quarters, they're estimating that uh, earnings was going to be down about 30%. And I mean, look at FedEx. I mean, you talk about a company that has its tentacles in almost all of the 193 countries around the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they touch more people and more businesses than almost any company on earth. And if somebody's going to have this, as we say in German, Fingerspitzgefühl on, uh, in terms of having their finger on the button on what's going on in this world. And they basically said, look, we're in the early stages of what could be uh, essentially an economic depression. So so this is going to uh, impact, forget just Tesla, but I'm talking about the entire automotive industry is about to take a little bit turn for the South. Now, of course, what's leading up to this thing is, are these enormous supply constraints where the industry is coming from a point where we've had all these supply shortages, which is why we're all paying above MSRP and you have to wait months and months to get a new car. So the industry is not going to be maybe as impacted initially as some of these other industries. But make no mistake about it, Nick, used car prices are going to start finally coming down and eventually give it about a year or so. You're going to see that the new car business also will start to um, uh, basically run into some severe headwind, headwinds here before we uh, fast forward to about a year from now. Uh, let's talk about what you think will happen to Twitter um, when Elon takes over. He's talked about having a lot of bots on Twitter, um, which I think Twitter had actually taken care of a lot of that uh, during Trump's presidency. You know, they culled about 75% of um, uh, accounts I mean, I know that I saw a lot of my Twitter followers go down as they were culling what they called fake accounts, um, and they did for everybody. They lost, you know, a huge chunk of their accounts as as they called them uh, culling of the what they thought were fake accounts. Um, uh, do you think that Elon, if he still claims that there are so many fake accounts on Twitter, is he going to go in there and start culling what he believes are fake accounts? Or what is he going to do if he's claimed that there's so much shenanigans going on at Twitter? Is he then going to clean it up? No, Nick, I think this whole fake accounts thing is a complete ruse as far as Elon is concerned. Elon, I think, legitimately wanted to maybe improve the product to some degree. And the whole bot thing is something that he, because he's a very famous person and has one of the largest followed accounts in the world, sees a lot more of us than us uh, mere mortals. So I think that in the big scheme of things, that is not a huge problem for the platform as a whole. Rather, what I think that he is most concerned with is how is, is he basically going to get some money out of this thing uh, so that he can uh, shore up his the entirety of his businesses. So he, he's probably more thinking about how do I then resell this product, basically. So now that I've had to pay $44 billion for this thing, can I somehow uh, take this uh, company public under some new uh, scheme, or can I get new investors, or can I get some of the money that I put into this thing back so I can deploy it for one of my other businesses? I think those are his concerns first and foremost. And coming up with a uh, plan for that is, I think, is going to be his first order of business. I don't think he's going to this whole bot thing. Nobody will ever notice whatever changes are being made on that. Right. Not normal people. Right. Let's talk about Tesla themselves. Uh, they they had this whole R and D rest. Uh, they have. 
their semi that they're supposed to be uh, moving forward with, but the the pickup truck, uh, but there's no real movement on new vehicles for them. So where's the car company at? Well, so, of course, yes. First of all, when it comes to semi-truck, we're actually seeing a few more of these uh, uh, test vehicles out there. So the semi is clearly coming closer to a production date. We can say that with some certainty. Uh, when it comes to the Cybertruck, I mean, I think uh, um, suppliers and so forth have indicated that they're looking at a, perhaps a July 2023 production date, uh, initial production date in Texas for that vehicle. And then uh, Tesla has said that they're really looking at trying to come up with a less expensive vehicle that would sit under the Model 3, but that will probably be at least a couple of years away from them to actually execute upon. So in the meantime, they're kind of caught into this whole economic drawdown that everybody else is. In the U.S., for example, all these changes, the tax rules has left the consumers a bit confused as to what the rules are. And you can clearly see that many of the consumers are maybe pulling in their horns because they see that the, the interest rate on their home mortgage is going through the roof, the property taxes are going through the roof, bills for everything else from food to you name it is going through the roof. And now people are saying, you know, let me just postpone some of these capital purchases. And that does not apply to everybody. Clearly, you know, sales do not go from, you know, 100% to zero or anywhere near it. But what it takes to impact the business is just a shift on the margin. And I think that many of these uh, companies that are selling uh, products that are not the rock bottoms necessities, but rather are discretionary, more luxury items. I mean, if you're a cab driver, I mean, you're going to buy that Toyota Corolla no matter what. But if you're somebody who's got already one or two cars in the garage and you're thinking about buying a Tesla and trading in your three-year-old vehicle, you might just say, you know what, let me hold off, hold off on that a little bit. And I think we're seeing that in the orders and sales numbers. I mean, if you look at the September quarter here, which is just about less than two weeks away from completion as, as of today, um, I mean, I'm not seeing it in the numbers yet. I mean, they had, they had better have some magical hockey stick here in the last two weeks in order for the number to be exceptional. I mean, the company is going to sell, at the end of the day, fairly close to 350,000 vehicles uh, this quarter. Uh, but I think they're really draining the pipe on that. Uh, look at China, for example, that just introduced new uh, discounts just a couple of days ago for thousands and thousands of dollars per vehicle if you chose to take delivery of them by the end of this quarter. Heck, you know, it was just a few weeks ago and barely that they said that, well, if you uh, placed an order for a Tesla, you'd be getting it in the first quarter of next year if you were lucky. And all of a sudden, if you're willing to take a multi-thousand dollar discount, you'll have it before the end of this quarter. Nick, that doesn't add up. Clearly, demand is falling off a cliff here. And if they do make this quarter and deliver close to 350,000 vehicles, uh, the pipeline from there on may be as, be a, it'll be about as dry as Bob Dylan's mouth. <laughs> that is an analogy that I love and I will be using in the future. America's fastest growing automotive radio show. Our auto expert, Nick Miles. Over 20,000 people have downloaded our auto expert podcast and many more streamers. Join the happy listeners and on, on Apple Podcasts, hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and that's Automatic Andy next to me. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our auto expert. Um, the F-Pace from Jaguar is one of the cars that uh, has turned the company around and also uh, really made a huge difference. Every time car companies who are well-known for their high-end performance sports cars make SUVs, they're a massive win. Ferrari just announced that they are doing an SUV, 
boom, and then Jaguar make an F-Pace, boom, uh, then it becomes the majority of their sales. They have a whole bunch of different models and editions of this vehicle, and I will tell you, they are killing it with this. Fun to drive, very, very luxurious and dynamic. Um, it makes me proud. It makes me proud to uh, be a member of King Charles III's household. It makes me proud to be British. It makes me proud that Jaguar have really done a really good job. Starts $56,000 and has some amazing key features and things that you would expect in a British luxury car. On top of things like heated electric power folding mirrors, uh, you know, approach lights, uh, automatic dimming drivers um, on the driver's side, um, power tailgate, um, the new Pivi Pro 11.4-inch um, touchscreens, um, touchscreen, I should say, the uh, online with the online pack, wireless, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, the uh, remote app, which you, means you can use it from your phone and do a whole bunch of stuff. Those wheels, 19-inch, 10-inch uh, color cabin lighting, um, 10 inch, 10 colors, ca 10 color cabin lights, um, 12 way heated electric front seats, which has a also two way manual headrest. Because if you are going to punch it, you want to make sure that Andy doesn't get whiplash. Uh, dual leather seats uh, with diamond uh, perforated and embossed a Jaguar leaping on the back of the seats. I love to look at the Jaguar leaping just before I sit down on it. You, you know what? Apart. You know a part that I liked about it what? was the the privacy glass. Oh yeah, because we went. No, no one wants to see you. Uh, no, it. Not at all. You it. They don't want. No, they don't want to see. <laughs> they don't me want any of it. When we went and got food, no one can see me that I was cheating <laughs> and cheating on my diet. How often have you picked up food for people and stolen French fries out of the bag and wiped your hands on the side of the seat? A hundred times out of ten, <laughs> except for the Jaguar. That's why the seats are always extra shiny when we give the car back. Yeah, it's not because I wiped them down. That's grease. <laughs> That's that's French fry grease. Yeah. Everybody's smiling here because we've all done it. Yeah, that's the that's the best fry. Lane keeping assist, so it keeps you in your lane while you're fishing in that fry bag for a couple of fries that may have fallen <laughs> out of the fry bag. Yeah, um, yeah. Traffic sign recognition because you were in the fry bag and not paying attention to the speed limit change. <laughs> uh, you know, there's adaptive speed limiters so you don't speed and get a ticket because you know one more ticket and you don't want to get the points. Uh, adaptive cruise control, blind spot assist, you know, all of the things that you really want. Um, top speed is 135 miles an hour, at 0 to 60 in under 7 seconds. Uh, it's just 249 horsepower, nice and plenty. Uh, it just looks good. I like the orange color, don't you? Yeah, it's not quite burnt, but like it, it you like you got it out of the oven right in time. <laughs> That's the SVR one that uh, looks best in that color. There's uh, different specifications. Uh, you can just enjoy building, uh, which I do online all the time, and get told why you're wasting your time. Go play video games. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's a better one. Uh, there's a lot of those things. I mean, I often like to look online at the galleries, search what's available. You know, I don't uh, believe that zero to sixty time is correct because it was really quicker than that. Well, that we we also had the SVR. That's the base model. Oh, okay. Because we went quick fast. We did the. Um, I like the fact that a lot of car companies now have learned something, and that is that you can have beautiful, light-colored seats and door panels on the top of 
the car, mm-hmm. but then the carpets can be dark. Yeah, I like that. Because if you live somewhere where the weather gets rainy and not nice, then you can have nicer light. So in the winter here, it gets dark early and it rains mm-hmm. when I'm in the north of the country. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the south. Um, you know, below the Mason-Dixon line where it doesn't snow, um, but it's nice and warm. But in the weekends, I come home because my dogs live in the north, northwest, and I like to see them on the weekends and snuggle with Bill and Sam and Arwen and Portia. I could go on. But here's the deal. It is difficult to have a dog in a car when the carpets are light colored mm. because they get in and they're muddy and nasty. But I like lighter tops of the cars on the inside, but darker bottoms. Like I like dark carpet. Mm-hmm. And it always used to be you would get lighter interiors or darker interiors. And in the winter, black on the inside of car is just depressing. Mm-hmm. But in the summer, black on the inside is hot. Yeah. So you, And then if you put muddy dogs in a white carpet in the winter, it just is trashed. Horrible. So you can never really win. But now they give you darker carpets with lighter tops and lighter lighter leather. So you can get like a brown leather, which is fine. If they get on the seats, you can always wipe them down Mm -hmm. like a saddle. (laughs) Leather (laughs) and dark carpets, (laughs) like a dark brown carpet, saddle leather, leather and lighter roof color. So... That makes a huge difference, and Jaguar were doing that. Do you, and the shifter looks like a cricket ball. Oh, now, Nick, now, come on. Yeah, look, that's the same stitching as in a cricket ball. That's extra British. Paul, uh, now the visitors will bowl. Every time I grab it, I feel like I should be bowling. You know, it, this is going to sound dumb, Nick, so forgive me. And I know this is very subjective, but in, in, my, in my wise years of driving, wise in my With 10 minutes yeah yeah in my in my three years of driving steady yeah like i've gotten in luxurious cars right yeah. like they feel great yes this is nice yeah but there's something just a little little different in the jag you know what i mean yeah it's hard to i know that doesn't make any sense but it just it, it's a it's a feel maybe it's a vibe maybe it's a something but there's just a little just a like a chef's kiss just a little extra in the jag so what I have to tell you, Andrew, and something you're experiencing right. that a lot of people understand it, and you've talked about this, and this is Jaguar really give you this, and Land Rover to some extent give you this. And it's something that a lot of people experience for the first time with both of these brands, mm-hmm. these cars. And it's really hard to explain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an attempt to explain it to you, but it's, it's difficult to explain. This is... A lot of people try to capture this the world over. Mm -hmm. It's exquisite. It's somewhat this sort of pent up. um, I would give it uh, the name of sort of this vibrant, almost sexual energy in Mm. in both of these cars. Yeah, it's a beauty. It's a sort of a regalness. It's an absolute vibrant beauty. It's this sort of royal diamond type energy. But there's one phrase that really sums up both of those cars and you've already experienced it and you've kind of already touched on it but andrew andrew this is exactly what it is it is this it's called being british no 
Listen to previous episodes of the show, watch automotive videos, and get the latest inside automotive info at ourautoexpert.com.